chapter 6, as we continue our study there. I'm sure that most of you are familiar with this story in Mark chapter 6. It is called the feeding of the 5,000. It happens to be a story that's recorded in all four of the Gospels. And so uh, we want to take a look at that this morning and see what uh, God has to say to us. So let me read to you this portion of Scripture. In Mark chapter 6, verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Let me stop right there. If you'll remember, last week we were looking at John the Baptist, but the week before that in this portion of Scripture, Jesus had sent his 12 out to go cast out demons and heal the sick and so forth. So they were out doing that ministry. Then we heard the story of John the Baptist. So now what's happening is we're back in sequence to the apostles coming back to Jesus after they had done these great and wonderful things. Remember, Jesus is rabbi, and he is teaching his disciples to do as he does. A disciple of a rabbi was under the uh, understanding that as he followed the rabbi for three years, he was being taught to become and to do what the rabbi did. And so Jesus sent out the twelve to do what he did, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. And they did. That's awesome. Now, how many of you are disciples of Jesus Christ? All right. So we need to pursue the same thing that Jesus taught his disciples. And so now they come back and we pick up our story. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. So then Jesus said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Now, isn't that interesting? Many times when you do great things for the Lord, you need to rest. Many times our greatest attacks come after our greatest victories. Many times we see a, we have a breakthrough, we pray and, and break through and something great happens with the Lord and we let our guard down and we celebrate and we just, we're real happy and without your even realizing, the enemy comes in and gives you a sucker punch. Anybody ever been there? So he says, let's pull away here. Let's, let's, uh, I was going to say detox, but that's, you know, sometimes you're, you know, you're just like hepped up on Jesus. So he says, let's come back. Let's relax. Uh, let's, let's understand what took place. And so he says, come with me and uh, we're going to go uh, rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. You just can't beat the crowd. I mean... I mean, this is a funny scene, really, when you think about it. Jesus has them, let's get in the boats, boys. Let's go, uh, you know, set sail up the coast, and we're going to go to a nice, quiet place. And there's people on the shore going, hey, isn't that Jesus? That's him. Yeah, that's him. And so you see this crowd of people running 
while he's just moving along in the boat with the 12 to a nice quiet place and they're calling everybody and they get to the place so when they get to the shore 5,000 plus people are waiting for him. Oh well. Now many saw them going, verse 34, when he went ashore he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, I'll say that again, and when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. Now that's a proverbial Jesus set up. Another teaching moment. Jesus does this to us all the time. Come on, it, this is a desolate place. You would almost think that Jesus knew what was going to happen. Come on, get in the boat with me. I want to take you someplace. Yeah, because we're sick of these people. We can't even get something to eat. We've got to minister all the time to these people and care for them and all that. So yeah, let's go somewhere quiet. And so they get somewhere quiet and it's not quiet. The crowd, in fact, grew even bigger. In fact, the desolate place was a perfect place for more people to gather. So more people gather, and because it's desolate, there's no food stands, there's no McDonald's, there's no Burger King. You can't find food anywhere. So Jesus, it's getting late. You've prayed for them. You've healed them. You taught them. Tell them to leave so they can go get something to eat. And he says, you feed them. Now, the response to that, you feed them. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them now to eat? And he said, well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, we got five loaves and two fish. I would imagine there was a bit of sarcasm to that answer. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces uh, of the bread and of the fish, and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. 5,000, that's amazing. Now that's a lot of people. Can you imagine 5,000 people gathered at the seashore? Why gathered at the seashore? Well, do you think that you can speak to 5,000 people? Let's just start there. How do you speak to 5,000 people and be heard? It seems to me like an impossible story. This is a fake story. But not so. It's easy to speak to 5,000 people when you have a sea behind you and mountains in front of you and you have people spread out before you. As you speak, your voice can be heard. If you'll look in history, you'll see where they built amphitheaters. I mean, think of the Roman Colosseum. They had no PA system there and they would speak to thousands in that Colosseum or outside Greek amphitheaters and all different cultures 
would set up an amphitheater so that the actors could speak and everybody in that amphitheater could be heard. I don't know if you've ever heard the story about Benjamin Franklin and George Whitfield. Now, George Whitfield was a revivalist. He came into the Americas and he was preaching out in the fields. Thousands of people were getting saved. Benjamin Franklin was intrigued with this man. Being a scientist, he wondered, how did this guy's voice carry so far? He was always amazed. In fact, Ben Franklin would love to go hear George Whitfield because he was so moved by the man's preaching. He had never heard such preaching before. But he always made a point not to bring any money with him. Because George Whitfield always took an offering for the orphanage that he had. And uh, Ben Franklin typically was so persuaded that he always would empty his pockets to give to Whitfield whatever he asked. But uh, Ben Franklin uh, did this one day where Whitfield was speaking to a massive crowd. So the scientist that Franklin was, he began to walk off or pace off the distance from where Whitfield was speaking, and he stopped when he could no longer clearly, audibly hear him, and then calculated a semicircle around Whitfield, allowing two square feet per person, and he computed or figured it out that Whitfield could be heard by a minimum of 30,000 people. So speaking to 5,000 is not that far off. Why do I bring up the math? Because Jesus is the one who wanted them to do the math. Every miracle has to be combined with the natural. You've got to implement the natural so that the supernatural can take over. But God wants to work with us. If we're expecting to do something for God, we've got to do it in the realm of the natural by the power of the supernatural. How do you get people in Syria to give their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ and to begin seeing other people saved, even ISIS members saved, because they stand in the natural willing to lose their life and the supernatural supersedes? So when Jesus said, you give them something to eat, he knew they had to calculate what was going on. So Philip is the first one to answer. He says, uh, uh, do you want us to spend 200 denarii to feed these people? Now, where did he come with that? He had to do the math. All right, you want me to go into town and buy bread for, let's see, there's about, uh, there's more than 5,000 people here. So if you have more than 5,000 people, that's how many cheeseburgers. How am I going to do this? I have to figure out how much money. That's in, in the book of John, it says six months wages. And so they're probably looking to Judas, asking him, because Judas is the one who held the purse, who kept the the treasury of of the, the apostles' money, and he says, do we have that much money? Of course, John tells us that Judas kept stealing from it anyways, they didn't have it. So he's going, no, what do you want us to do, Jesus? And so Jesus has them recalculate, because he doesn't want them to go buy anything. He says, no, I want you to find out what resources you have. Have you ever been this way in prayer where you ask God this and he gives you an answer on that? Right? Why doesn't he multiply money and we can go get the food? No, 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 no. I want you involved in this. 
I want you involved. So, so he asked them, what do you have for a resource? Other gospels tell us Andrew found a guy. There's a kid here. Hey, come here, kid. Give me that food. Come with me. He grabs the kid. Here's a kid. He's got five loaves, five barley loaves, and two fishes. All right. Now, how's that going to work? Do the math. Two fish. Okay, so one fish for 2,500 people. Yeah, okay. One barley loaf per thousand. I like this because, again, it shows us that you have to calculate the impossible. Faith cannot begin to work till it comes to an end of your ability. You see, we would work this thing out. We would call in a helicopter. We'd call in, you know, some, we'd do so. We would do our best to work everything out to the best we could do it. And Jesus is putting us and he's putting you into situations where you cannot fathom how it can be done. That's when faith takes over. You see, there's one thing they didn't put in their equation. We've got one fish per 2,500, one loaf of bread per 1,000, but you forgot one other thing. You've got Jesus. Changes the math completely. Oh, by the way, weren't these the guys that just went out casting out demons, healing the sick, and, and cleansing lepers? Yeah. The same guys that get in a boat with Jesus who do all these wonderful things, see these amazing things, and then question who he is. I mean, you see, they keep forgetting the one part of the ingredient that I think we do too. Jesus changes the math for everything. And you've got to trust him. You've got to believe. Now, it's very interesting uh, that he then says this after they figured out the math, we have five fish, two, uh, five loaves, two fish. He says this, he commanded them. Now, Jesus gave orders, all right? You have to remember that when a rabbi tells you to do something, you have to what? Do it. Many of us don't consider the commands of Jesus. Did you know the Great Commission is, in fact, a commission to teach the world the commands of Jesus? We, we, we haven't been doing that. We've been teaching them to like Jesus. You should accept him. He's a good buddy. You really like him. He's so nice. He died for you. You can have this. You can get that. This is how we witness. But in fact, the Great Commission is to command all people to obey him. And so Jesus turned to them after they did the math and they saw that this was virtually impossible. Now remember, what time of day was it? It was late. Now add to this a time crunch. You're running out of daylight. You're running out of resource. And he says, get the job done. He loves to do that. <laughs> So it's late. So what he does is he commands them to get these people to sit in groupings of 150 and groupings of 50. Right there, I would like to see this effort. 12 verses 5,000. Now Matthew tells us 
In his uh, rendering of this story, uh, Matthew 14.21 says that there were 5,000 men beside women and children. So you've got a potential between 5,000 and 10,000 people and 12 of them saying this, okay, I'd like all of you to get in groups of 50 and 100, please. Right? Now maybe the first 100 in front of you you could do, but how about way back there? It's a miracle just to get these people to sit in groups of 50 and 100. But this is what I want to point out. Look at the genius of Jesus. He's creating aisles. He's creating measurable groups by which you can get the job done. And so there's some intellect here. There's some reasoning involved here. But yet there's still going to be the supernatural. Could you imagine if he began to change and multiply the fish and the loaves if just a massive crowd, how would it ever get into the middle of that group or all the way to the back? This is the care that Jesus takes in rendering out his miraculous power. I mean, when Jesus wants to see something get done, he wants it done decently and in order. He wants it done well. That's the testimony of Jesus. He does all things well. Isn't that great? Not about you. You and I, we'd get a bullhorn and we'd say, okay, one at a time. Oh, no. And they'd attack us. People are hungry. When it comes to food, it's late. They're hungry. They'll kill you. So there has to be order. We think the move of the Spirit has to be just free and easy and breezy and everything's going to be great. It's just one big calamity. God is a God of order. And in order for no one to get hurt, no one to get trampled, and to make sure everybody gets their portion, and look at what it said, to the full, he said, this is what you're going to do, boys. This is what you're going to do. Now, you're going to go out there among those people, and you're going to get them orderly, and you're going to set them in groups of 100, and you're going to get them sets in groups of 50. And then when you come back, let's talk about what's going to happen. And here's the element that they needed to begin to understand. Jesus blessed the food. Father, the Father of heaven and earth, who gathers all bread from four corners of the earth. And he prays a blessing. There's the difference to every equation in your life. You have lack, but you have Jesus. You only have so much, but you have Jesus. I only have so much time, but you've got Jesus. We're running out. The people are angry, but we have Jesus. They're coming to attack us. They're taking our town, but we have Jesus. God has got this thing under control. I don't know what's going to happen to the United States of America, but we've got Jesus. We're a people who have Jesus. I don't know what's going on in your household, but your bread might be running out, your supply, your provision, but you've got Jesus. And with that equation, all things are possible. And this is a test to his disciples. Once again, this is for his disciples. It's fine to feed 5,000 plus people. Wonderful, they see the miracle. But this was about his disciples. When Jesus said, you feed them, it was all about them. He's teaching them once again. 
you need to understand who I am. Now consider this. I took the time to do the math. There are 5,000 dots there. And I don't know if you can see, there are, these are groupings of 100, 10 rows, 5 deep. Right? There's 12 there, and Jesus. Can you see that little dot? Did I do the math right? Right? A hundred times ten is a thousand, times five is five thousand. That's how I figured it. Okay, I did it. I was nervous. Now, I don't know if uh, that's how they were set up, and I don't know how evenly you can space them on a hillside. Isn't it interesting that Mark said on the green grass? Isn't that nice? Have a seat on the green grass. It reminds me of Psalm 23, doesn't it? The shepherd will lead us, guide us into green pastures. He establishes them and he sets them up. And now these 12 little dots have to feed these 5,000 dots with five barley loaves and two fishies. But you've got Jesus. Jesus was not worried. He didn't break out in a sweat. I imagine the apostles did. But he said that he blessed the bread and he began to break it and give it to them. Now this is what I want you to begin to understand. This is a lesson for the disciples. This is a lesson for the church at large. That when Jesus commands us to go and make disciples of all nations. He expects that to be possible and to happen. So in a small scale model of the Great Commission, you have the feeding of the 5,000, where 12 are to go and feed the multitudes. But they're in nations, they're in people groups, they're in divisions. And so you must go. Now, it's easier for one man to go up down the side aisle and begin to give loaves and fish to this corner and to run up and to give loaves and fish to this corner and to run up and give loaves and fish to this corner. And each one of these could take an aisle and could take a row, and, but uh, it's moving through here. But what has to happen is once you get that fish and that bread to that group of a hundred, you've got to engage them to what? Pass it on. You can't expect the 12 to individually feed every individual of the 5,000 plus. You've got to begin to engage the other people. And this is the Great Commission. This is what evangelism is. This is what the life of Christianity is. That what I have, I freely give to you so that you can give it freely to those in your house and to your neighborhood. And through this system, Jesus sees the world getting saved. Nations and people getting saved. You imagine you run and, and you're going, oh, can you imagine being in the first wave? Come on, you remember the 12? You remember Thomas? 
It'll never work. This is stupid. I'm going to die. They're going to take off. They're going to take my basket. They're going to kill me. So I'm sure he probably took the front rows. Peter is ambitious as he's probably running to the back. I'll get the back, boys. And so, you know, he pro- Thomas probably figures it's over as soon as I start. He's got a basket. You know, it's just broken up. And then he gives the basket and something happens. People say, oh, good. Hey, man, he's serving dinner. You got a hunk of bread and a big old fish. You start chewing. Oh, yeah, here. And it goes down the line. And after about 35 people, the basket's still full. And you start eating. This is, hey, yeah, this is great. Oh, good. You don't know. Is there another group of people serving? You don't, where's all this food? Co- all you know, there's a basket of food here. Have another one. You get up to 75, and they're still eating. This is great stuff. Yeah, have some. Yeah. Till they're full. Maybe there were seconds. It could be. It says till they were satisfied. And that's only happening in one quadrant, one section of 100. But now you, you, you're picking a pace and you're going, oh, something's happening. You see, there's got to be a realization of the miraculous for you to finish and to continue. Consider that there's 12 guys, so, so they're just starting to hit one of these 100 groupings. And so each one of them, at some point, is beginning to get the tipping point of the miraculous, where they realize something supernatural is taking place. There's nothing like that moment. If you've ever been in a service where the Spirit of God is moving, or in your prayer time, when you begin to recognize something supernatural is taking place, and your faith rises to a new level of expectation. You see, now there's something happening in the way they're walking, and their excitement. They got a basket, and so they go for another one. Now, now I don't know where they got all the baskets from. It doesn't say. It says they gathered 12 baskets full. Maybe they only had 12 baskets to get the leftovers at the end. Maybe it was just hand-to-hand, tear a piece off this loaf, and this loaf just keeps tearing. One loaf for 100 people. One fish I mean, how many fish heads did you get? I don't understand it. I don't know. But something happens to where they have to begin to recognize the supernaturals at work here. How could we have ever doubted? This is amazing. I'm going to the back. Hey, you guys that ate up front, come on with me. Who will go with me? Who will take this food? Who will take this bread with me to the farthest corners of this field? There's people. It's getting dark now. The sun is setting. we got to get them some food. There's people back there. We've served 3,000. There's 2,000 more. Who's going with me? Huh? Oh, no, you know, I'm full. This grass is good. Yeah, I got what I need. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, John, Thomas. I'm good. Could you imagine that? Can't you see what's happening? There's a miracle going on right now. Get up. Get up. Come on. There's more people. And by the way it looks, there's enough for everybody. 
Would you help me? Would you help me? Oh, I'd like another piece, please. No, come on. You've had enough. I could, you know, I could use another book, another study. I really don't know how to go to the back and serve fish and bread. That's not my calling. It's not my gift. Think about all the stupid, may I use that word? Could I? I'll I'll clean it up. All the foolish excuses we all have to feeding the lost and those without a shepherd because we had enough or we have our little arena of friends. Hey, someone will take my spot. If I leave this spot, someone will sit here. I got a good seat. I can see Jesus. This is no different than the day we're in right now. And the bottom line of this story is Jesus said, I'm the bread. And there is enough of Jesus for everyone out there. And they're hungry and they're dying. And can I tell you, it's getting late. It's getting late. You feed them, he said. You feed them. It's on our watch now. You feed them. You had your fill? Listen, I don't even know if the apostles ate any food. Maybe they ate while they were running. But something happens when you're so engaged in something. I don't need any fish. I don't need any bread. This is awesome. Now, in the end, they then clean up. (laughs) Like you think there'd just be enough, but no, there's more than enough. In fact, they come back with 12 basketfuls. 12 is an interesting number. It's the number of tribes of Israel. It's the number of government and authority for the Jew. And what Jesus is saying is that I am the Messiah of Israel. I have come to feed the nation of Israel, the people of God, and there is an abundance here. We'll see later that he does it again with 4,000 people, but that's another story. But here he is, the bread of life, commissioned to be enough for all the people. And he says, you You feed them. May we feed the nations, Jesus. May we get up out of our green grass and the pasture that we have so blessed and will we begin to feed those around us. There's more than enough. Amen? Let us bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we thank you.